if you're still finding your way. That's better. Or even if you've got it all figured out. That's I want to hear what you've got to say. That's better. It's Bullish with Toro. Hi. Hello, hello, everybody. <laughs> Tor here, and it's so good to be back talking to you guys. It's been a while. I'm out here in Tulum, Mexico, where I have started a property management company, and that is going to be a whole episode in and of itself. But I am here to close out season two of Bullish with Toro, which has covered folks from the island of Barbados, my home, my second home. And I here talk with Susan, Susan the cake lady who is in Dover Beach. And this was such a nice episode to come back to because I've been missing Barbados so much. And the next season is going to be covering folks all over Mexico. But for now, BIM, shouts to my BIM fam. Miss you guys so much. I hope you enjoy this lovely conversation with Susan where we talk about her childhood as a tomboy, how she landed in Barbados and started this wonderful company, and how she's a mentor and a mother to so many people that she's around. Uh, so sit back and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bullish with Toro. This is Toro, and I'm here today with Susan Clark, the cake lady. Yes, the cake lady. How are you, Susan? I'm good. I'm so pleased that I've been, you know, one of your selections for your podcast. I'm really honored. A little bit, you know, but yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. So I met Susan when I first came to Barbados in January 2021 um, because she owns this shop called The Cake Lady and they sell coffee and pastries and uh, it was where I frequented, especially when a lot of stores weren't really open. So I love it over here. And we love you. Yay. So Susan, what I usually do to warm up the guest is I ask you a bunch of rapid fire questions okay. while you do an exercise. So right now we're in a confined space. So we have a bottle of Mount Gay rum eclipse that uh, we're just going to have Susan, you know, yeah. press in the air. I'm going to do some exercise with a bottle of Mount Gay eclipse rum. I'm doing a little bit of advertising there for <laughs> Mount Gay. <laughs> there we go. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. What is your astrological sign? I'm a Pisces and I'm a real proper Pisces. Caring, loving, giving, creative, all of those things. Love that. What's your favorite food? Favorite food. Now, I'm really strange when it comes to food. Gosh, favorite food. I love fruits. I love vegetables. I'm sort of a flexitarian, so I flex between vegetarianism and veganism. I don't eat meat. I'd say my favorite food is dal. I love dal. I love dal. I could eat dal for Christmas. In fact, if I have my Pakistani friends with me or Indian friends and I'm at home in London, I will ask them to cook dal for me for my Christmas dinner. That is my favorite food. Yeah. Dal. Favorite pastry? Well, this is the strange thing. And Toro, I should have asked you not to ask this question. Because I am a bit of a flexitarian, I really don't do animal fats. Um, and although I could bake for myself pastries and cakes without. I'm so busy baking for the shop, I don't get the chance to do it. But I guess something with apple, because I quite like anything tart. So maybe an apple turnover would be my favourite pastry. Mm, favourite beach? Favourite beach? Well, I've got to say my home beach. My home beach is Dover Beach, and the shop is located just across the road from White Sands Beach. 
And if I'm going on a day out and I'd like to go to my very, very, very special beach, it would probably be Mullins Beach. I love Mullins Beach. If I just want to be on my own, totally secluded. West Coast, beautiful sunset. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite royal family member? Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Harry. (laughs) Now, I I might have to rethink that because it was always Harry. even named my son Harry after (laughs) Harry. Um, my son hates his name because he thinks it doesn't suit him but who loves their name it's like I'm called Susan which is really strange because I'm a black woman my first name is Amy oh is it really yeah oh there you go so I'm born in England I was one of six Susans in my class so there were five white Susans and then there was me black Susan number six (laughs) not that I grew up with baggage but I was black Susan number six and I really grew up hating my name. But in the 60s, and yes, I'm 62, um, you know, Susan was a really popular name. But my mother ch- uh, sort of gave me my name because she'd already had a daughter before me. So it was like daughter, and then I was supposed to be a boy, and I was a girl. And the woman next door in the bed in the maternity ward was going to call her daughter Susan. So my mother said, ah, that'll do. I'll call her Susan. But it's really strange because the name didn't fit me all the time when I was growing up in England because there weren't other black Susans. Like all the Susans that I knew were white. And when I came to Barbados, there are so many black Susans that are my age. They're either Sue, Suzanne, Susie or whatever. And now my name fits me better than it did when I was growing up in the UK. I mean, I know it sounds weird, but it's the truth. There are so many Susans and so many Clarks as well. So growing up in the UK, being a Clark was a little weird because that's a really British, Irish, Scottish name. And being a Susan Clark made me very English. Yeah. But I had this other persona. Coming to Barbados, there are lots of Susan Clarks that are black. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing, honestly. I'm still shaking the Eclipse bottle, by the way. Yes, she is. A favorite color. My favorite color is, took me a while to have a favorite color. I hated pink all of my life. I don't know why. It just looked like a weak color. And I was a real tomboy growing up, like climbed trees, Same. fought with boys, you know, played cricket, played football, big shoulders, loved to swim. So anything that the boys could do, I could do. So pink was just like that yucky color. Now, here's a weird thing that not a lot of people know. I got really ill. Um, 17 years ago and had major surgery and woke up from that surgery and started liking the color pink, which is just the weirdest there. I, and this was like 20 years ago, so excuse the reference to Gap. But I woke up in hospital um, after being um, put into a coma for four days. And when I was finally let out of hospital, the nearest shop to the hospital that I was in that sold clothes was Gap. And I just had to go to the Gap to buy something pink, which is not like me because pink wasn't my color. So now that I'm older and I understand me, I know the clothes that fit me, or I know my body type and shape. So I know that I have a short torso. I know you didn't ask me this question. I'm just throwing it in. So I know I have a short torso. So I have to wear short blouses. I know that I've got good beige and hips. So I know if I wear a short top, it accentuates my hips. But in terms of colours, I know that pink and mauve and maroon are colours that actually complement me. So mm-hmm. I'd say that those together with orange um, are my colours. All right. Favourite smell? 
Favourite smell is washed clothes. Love that. Pudding and sauce or fish and chips? Fish and chips. That was easy. Okay, all right. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, pudding and sauce is a very uh, classic Bayesian dish. And time. We are done with the rapid fire questions. The funny thing is, is if we were doing actual physical exercises, (laughs) we would have gone speedily through that. But I actually really loved what you were saying because... I'm going to ask you about um, your childhood a bit and how you Mm -hmm. grew up. Mm -hmm. But before that, the name of this podcast is Bullish with Toro. So what do you think about when you hear the word bullish? I think strong, courageous, kicking down doors, knocking down barriers, um, somebody that just wants to know the answer to questions. But Mm. more than anything, bullish to me means strong strong, adventurous, and and yeah, pushing open those doors like a bull would. So the definition that I run with for this podcast is hopeful or confident that someone or something will be successful, optimistic about the future of something or someone. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk to different folks in different spaces and times in life and see where you are and if you're optimistic about the future Mm -hmm. outlook. So Mm -hmm. before we talk about all that, You mentioned as a kid that you were a bit of a tomboy. So Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about how you grew up? Yeah, so I, my, both of my parents are from Barbados. Uh, my parents came up to the UK in the late 50s when a lot of people from the Caribbean were being recruited right. to go up to the UK to help build the UK up after the war. So my father came up in 1957 to work uh, with London Transport and my mother came up a year later. They weren't married at that point. They got married in the UK, but he sent for her once um, he was here and my mother came up to work within the national health system. So I am one of three siblings. Uh, Okay, this is where it gets complicated. Caribbean Mm -hmm. culture, there are siblings, siblings and siblings. So so don't judge my parents, (laughs) but there are another three on one side and another two on the other side. Mummy, please don't, please don't down on me for saying that. And daddy, same thing applies. Facts are facts. Yeah. So I have three siblings from uh, my mum and dad in the UK, in the UK. So I'm the one in the middle. Okay. I'm the one that didn't get any love. I'm just putting that in there. <laughs> fact is I did um, because I grew up a sickly child. So I was always at home. So I was always the one like there, 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 there when my brother and sister were out doing stuff. But a total tomboy. If the boys could do it, I could do it. But then when you grew up as we did back in the 60s, you didn't have a lot of toys to play with. So you made your fun wherever you could find it. So I remember playing knockdown ginger, which British people will understand as knocking on somebody's door and then running around as quickly as you're running away as quickly as you can, watching them open the door, looking to see who'd knock the door. Now it sounds boring, But in the 60s, early 70s, that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Getting somebody to get up from watching boring television, to come to the door, to open the door, only to find that there was no one there. As a group of kids, we'd be around the corner giggling. That was like a huge thing. In the States, we call that ding-dong ditch. There you go. Okay, so something similar. Like you look back now, and if if I said to my son, this is what we used to do for fun, he'd look at me and think, poor you, (laughs) poor you. So we played that. We'd play runouts. You know, great. I grew up on a council estate. What a huge council estate. So that was government housing um, in the early 60s, late 70s. I'm remembering now when we moved from um, our, the, 
the, the second home that I can remember. So the first home that I can remember was a room. So my mum and dad lived with my sister, my brother and myself. So I've got an older sister and a younger brother. And I remember my mother walking across me with a frying pan. So everything happened in the same room apart from the bathroom and the bathroom was shared and the toilet was outside. But I remember we didn't have proper cooking facilities. I remember my mother had um, a couple of rings and I'm remembering Norse soup. And I don't know if this was a story told to me or if it's something that I can remember, but I can see these two rings. And I can remember my mom with a packet of Norse soup and this Norse soup. So it's like a packet soup mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, powder in the, in the yeah. bottom and a few dry noodles or whatever. You can still buy them today. And I can remember my mother just putting lots of water in this thing and probably a couple of potatoes, and that fed the family. And then I'm remembering our second home, which was Cowley Estate, which was, I don't know, it just felt like a small village. Like everybody, I didn't know people that had houses. Everybody that I knew lived in a council estate, like paid rent. You paid rent for your television. Yes, people used to rent televisions back in the day. Um, or you went, you know, if there was a big sporting something on, quite often you would see people in the local market in Brixton watching the television through another store. That was yeah. something that I'm just remembering now as well. And I remember when we moved to our third home, I was a teenager and uh, we had a bathroom. Like we had a separate room that had a bath and a shower in it. And that was the first time in my life that we had had that. And we also had a tiny little balcony, which would be the size of a of anybody else's tiny, tiny kitchen. And we had three big flower beds on this balcony. Mm. And it was like moving into a yeah. palace. And of mm-hmm. course, I no longer needed to share a bedroom with my brother and sister. So my brother had his his own bedroom because he was the only boy. My sister and I fought daily in our bedroom. Mm -hmm. And of course, my parents had a bedroom. But this whole tomboy thing for me, I don't know if it's because I was the middle child. I I don't know what it was, but I just knew that if the boys were out there and the boys could do it, I could do it. I could absolutely do it. So yes, I played cricket. I swam for the school. I did gymnastics for the school. I ran for the school. If there was a sport that could be done, I would do it. If there was conkers, so conkers for us are horse chestnuts. So we used to put a horse chestnut on a string. If you wanted your horse chestnut to be really, 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 really firm and hard, you would dip it in vinegar and you would have it on a shoestring. So you'd get a nail, make a hole through it, thread the shoestring through it, tie it at the bottom so your conker or horse chestnut is now sitting on the string and the knots at the bottom mm-hmm. and you would you would hold up so Tori for example you would hold up your string with your conker at the end of it I would have my conker and, and I would keep bashing mm-hmm. your conker trying to break it so the per- similar times yeah exactly and that was like we used to look forward to the autumn because itching powder in the trees hello let's go and put itching powder down the back of somebody's jumper or you would get horse chestnuts and you could play conkers for the longest one longest while i remember playing tipper run which is cricket which you had to hit the ball and if you didn't hit the ball you were out so you had to hone your skills of hitting the ball i just remember i remember breaking my arm twice um we used to go to adventure playgrounds in the summer and venture playgrounds when where we grew up was like was like Disney on steroids because there were all sorts of things for us to play on, all made out of 
you would call it now reclaimed wood. It wasn't called reclaimed then. It was just it was just <laughs> wood that we had that we had found, and they would make these huge structures. And I remember um, there was this Tarzan rope that somebody at the bottom of the structure would hold on to, and it had a massive, great big knot at the bottom of the rope, so a huge rope, and they would throw it up to this handmade wooden structure, and there would be the us children at the top of this, like, building frame thing, mm -hmm. and you would reach out to try to get the rope, and then swing down like Tarzan. So here's a dated perspective. All of the sportiness, how then now does that translate to what you're doing now, which is owning this pastry shop? Well, well, this was never part of my dream because before I got here um, in the Cake Lady coffee shop, I worked in hotels. So being a sickly child, I my favourite television programme, Don't Judge Me, was a programme called Crossroads. And Crossroads was a soap set in a hotel. Now, being influenced by this program because I came from, I wouldn't say I came from nothing, but we had very little. I used to watch this Crossroads program and see these, I look back now, they weren't glamorous, but they just look really glamorous people. Check in and check out of this hotel and all of the, you know, the ins and outs that went on in a hotel. So when I was deciding what I wanted to do for a career, and I sort of said to my parents, I want to work in a hotel, they gave me that, you know, that look really, you want to serve people, was the look that I got. And for me, it was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. But in my head, I knew that I wanted to do more than just serve people. I knew I wanted to manage hotels. I couldn't articulate it then, but I knew that I wanted to be the manager in the hotel, like that person. So when I left school, I uh, went to uh, college and studied hotel and catering management, graduated and got my first job working uh, for a Holiday Inn hotel and then ended up working for Marriott Hotels. We converted quite a few Holiday Inns into Marriott's and I was the first, not a lot of people know this and I'm only just remembering it myself, first female uh, black, not, not first female, but first female black manager um, that worked for Marriott in the UK. I'd forgotten that. Oh, wow. So, Tora, thank you for helping me to remember that. <laughs> I had forgotten that. And going back to the tomboy thing, my son went to a very prestigious school, a very, very prestigious school. And um, in this school, at the end of the year, the boys' parents or the, 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 the male, the, the fathers of the boys were invited to play rugby, which was the, 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 the sport of choice, with the 13-year-old boys. And um, I'm a single mum. So and my son was captain of the rugby team. So I was not in, invited to play this rugby game. So my son came home and he said, Mom, everybody else's dad is playing. I can't ask my dad to play, but I want you to play. And I said, Harry, don't worry. I'm going to go in and I'm going to speak to the headmaster. So I did and I got the usual, yes, but it's men and it's the fathers. And mm -hmm. he just went on and on and on. I said, well, my son's the captain. There isn't a father here. I'm going to play rugby for my son. And it, it took him a couple of weeks to get back to me, but I did. So on that day, I broke two records. <gasps> first female to ever play in the Fathers v. Son, first 11, end of school, and first black female. And I think the second one, first black female, will take a long time to be broken. So that demonstrates just what a tomboy 
and I still have the boots. I keep meaning to have them framed. I haven't as yet, but I will get them framed. Having done breaking this now. Breaking records. I'm, yeah. It's breaking records. Yeah. But not really doing it knowingly, just doing it as part of life's path. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not doing it because you want to break a record, but just it being part of who and what you are. Do you know, I'm enjoying this. So thank you for helping me to remember. I'm thank glad. you. Thank you. I think this is a good time for the main question mm-hmm. of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So that is, Susan, mm-hmm. are you doing what you want to be doing with your life? Absolutely, yes. Because this wasn't Yay! planned. Yeah, I know. I can feel the, my eyes burning. This was not planned. But I had the opportunity not to reinvent myself, but, yeah, to be whoever I want to be in Barbados because it is possible in Barbados to recreate yourself. So did I have a plan of baking cakes in Barbados, working at markets, doing really well, like setting out at all of the best markets in Barbados, people calling me up and asking me to work at the best markets in Barbados. Did I ever think that that could happen? No, because when I was trying to sell my first slice of cake in Barbados, it was tough. But I just kept on and on and on because I had bills to pay, because I had my son to put through school. And in the end, a girlfriend said to me, you need to open a shop. I thought, oh, it's too much like responsibility. No, I'm not going to do that. Just too much responsibility, too much like hard work. I'm happy doing my markets. Like I've got a really loyal following. Now, I can't imagine doing anything else. So this was not my life's goal. If you asked me 20 years ago, what would I want to do? It would probably be a television presenter because I know I'd be really good at it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to be like Kate Adie out in a war zone, that wouldn't be me because I'd break my nails as much as I am a tomboy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to, yeah, I wouldn't want to break a nail because that would upset me. <laughs> but I, I reckon I could look good in front of a camera and a teleprompter and read the lines. Absolutely. So, do I enjoy what I'm doing? I have a lovely location on St Lawrence Gap. Mm-hmm. I employ people, which again is making me full, making my eyes burn because. I feel really responsible for them and their bills and their families. So just keeping this going gets me up in the morning because if it was just for me, I probably wouldn't come in some mornings. But I know I've got to keep it going because I have people that rely on me. But I meet amazing people all the time. I mean, I'm 62 and every day somebody new walks into the shop and I have a different conversation. Yeah. Every single day. I mean, you. Exactly. You know, like I met you and like here we are, 2022, a year and some months later, and we're and you know we're back and you Tara walked into the shop. I'm like, you're back. Yeah, literally, you're. You're back. always one of my stops. Yeah, one of the first it's like, like you back. back. Yeah. So for me, working here, I mean, you can't see the outside of the shop, but I've got a lovely view from here. It's like working in a village because everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. Like nothing happens on the gap without all of the people that work here knowing so we look out for each other we watch over each other the taxi drivers the other people that have got shops the vendors the guys that sell fruit up and down the the hotel owners everybody knows everybody we communicate all the time and we really look after and it's lovely being part I mean St Lawrence Gap was somewhere I used to come to as a child with my parents and then it was somewhere that I used to come to as an as an adult and and older adult to party hard, to really that play hard. Honestly, <laughs> to think that in my 60s I can come back in this new guise on St. Lawrence Gap 
and have a coffee shop. I mean, like, wow. Yeah. Like, why, what would I, why wouldn't I? So making that transition from London to Barbados wasn't easy because I have a 22-year-old that I'm still very much mother to and present to. But I brought him up to be confident and independent. So the schools that he went to sort of gave him that confidence and independence to travel, to be respectful. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm I'm making this child sound like he's the ideal child. He came from me, so, so. you know, I'll say, I'll say no more. But... <laughs> He's 22 years old and he's living his life, living at home in our home. And we see each other whenever we can. We message all of the time. We FaceTime. Yeah, he we just d- called before he the just podcast. literally, literally just called, we're good. We're good. And when, you know, when I think of my biggest achievement in life, I know a lot of parents say, my kids, mm-hmm. for me, when Harry calls me up with a problem, and we work through it, and it might be just breathe. I might just say, slow down, just breathe. When we, when I've put the phone down, I think that was the best 20 minutes work that I've done today. It doesn't feel like work, but I just know as a mum that um, I'm going to cry. Yeah, you're making me I just cry. know as a mum that in that moment, I know I've done what I'm supposed to do as a mum. So success for me isn't money. You know, it isn't coming into the shop every morning. It isn't employing 15 people. I don't have 15, by the way. But, you know, this could grow. I, it could be a brand. That's not success for me. Success for me is my son calling up and saying, Mom, I've got a problem. Or, Mom, guess what I've just done? Those are the successful moments for me because growing up in a Caribbean family, you grew up hard. Mm -hmm. Love wasn't always a thing that was talked about or expressed. I think learning to, 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 to change, to put a full stop somewhere and to change the circle, just mm-hmm. to do things a little bit different. I don't know where it came from. Maybe it's because I'm a Pisces. I don't know. But somewhere I knew that that wasn't right and I needed to... Break the cycle. To, absolutely. And with my son and I, we're just we're just cool. We're cool. Oh, obsessed. <laughs> so, Tora, how are we doing here? We're doing well. I'm staring at this timer because I feel like it's going to cut me off soon. And I'm so fearful of that. But that would be a great life. Tell me. Okay. And we're back. So my SD card got full. (laughs) I talk so much (laughs) for an introvert. (laughs) Reformatted. Um, But that was so, so touching to hear about what you consider your um, biggest success. So Mm. knowing that you are absolutely doing what you want to be doing with your life. Do you see something beyond this right now? Or is this where you're at and that's fantastic? Okay, now I have... Okay, I don't want to say too much. I just want to say that there is somebody... I could only have the one child due to illness. But I would have loved to have had other children. But I have somebody that works with me that I have adopted as a, an, a another child. Um, so when I think of what I want to do further, I don't want to sound like that Miss World person that says, you know, I want to solve world peace and all of that stuff. I don't. I just want to bring out the potential in people that haven't had any glitter 
dropped on them, just a little bit of glitter or shimmer or something. So there's one particular person that I'm thinking about who found me on Instagram and um, hasn't had any glitter shone on her at all. And I take my time with this person. I really take my time with this person. And if there's anything that I want to do more of, it would probably be to have one or two of those people with me that I can take my time with. Not that I know anything or I'm good at doing whatever, but just to take my time to give them to give them a chance because I have the time to do it. And it's something that I know that I do well. And I know that because I see it in the other person's eyes. And when somebody else says to me, this is what somebody said about you, I know that that's something that I want to do more of. So, you know, Harry and I are good. My son and I are good. And as I say, he's 22, but I've still got a lot of mothering to do there and a lot of cuddling as well. But I'd just like to give a little bit of that to a few more people. Just mentoring. To, mentoring. Yeah, yeah. But in a, in a more, I don't know, motherly, motherly yeah. type, type way, you know, in a more fuzzy, I wouldn't nearly said pink and fuzzy way, but just in a more fuzzy way. Like just take somebody under my wing and yeah, you can do that. Of course you can do that. You're going to make mistakes, but mistakes are gifts. Because if you can learn from your mistake, and you might make another mistake, but learn from that, but then sort of get it right and then kind of get it right and then get it right, then then that's good. So I have one um, and I'd, I'd probably like a, a, a couple more if if I'm really honest. And my work is not done yet. That's what I'd like to do. I love that. Yeah, mm. I think that I like the mothering versus mentoring because um, I've done mentorship uh, groups in different companies. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing that I think about mentoring is that it goes both, both ways. Yeah. So even though you might be more senior or have more experience talking to somebody who's younger and less experienced, you can still learn from them, Absolutely. whether it's their younger perspectives or fresher perspectives or just how they see their outlooks. But the mothering, it's more like, it's not as reciprocal. It's more like Correct. you're comfortable Correct. just giving. Just giving. And, yeah. yeah. I don't want anything back. I just want to see a little change in you, for you, not for me. Mm -hmm. but for for you. And when I see that change in you, it might be you're able to have a conversation with customers because you have the confidence to do that. Or you might want to take on a little bit extra responsibility in the shop or you just come in walking differently. You know, mm -hmm. that for me is like, wow. You know, it might have taken us six months to get there, but it's changed for you. And I get real satisfaction in that, like real satisfaction in that. So I have one person that will be with me forever um, <laughs> because I can see that this person's potential has just never, ever been allowed to, to, to shine or grow. So, yeah, that's what I'd like to do here in the cake mm -hmm. shop. Apart from make cakes and make coffee and meet amazing people, I just like to just shine a light on a few people that have never had that little bit of, of glitter. I really would. I really, really would. Have you ever thought of having like community events in this space, whether it's poetry readings or? Yeah, I have, but I rent this space from my landlord. But listen to this, and not a lot of people know this, and I can't say too much because it hasn't all come to fruition yet, but I'm in talks with 
people that want me to make a big change in this little local area. Mm -hmm. So with that will come some of the changes that the cake lady wants to make. So it's not going to be about the changes that they want, which I'm on board with. There's got to be a little bit of cake lady in there as well. So, yeah. So, you know, there's a pool next door. People have approached me. They want to do yoga um, in there or pool exercise or or whatever it's called. And um, outside, I've done markets outside before where I've got small vendors on the island, whether it be waste bead people or people that make jewellery or people that make bags. I've held markets outside and introduced them to come in. And we've had Christmas markets. We've had summer markets. COVID got in the way of everything because I opened my shop in January 2020 and closed in March uh, 2020 and I'm just finding my feet again now so markets is something that I definitely want to do but to work with the smaller vendors in Barbados and to hold some really lovely markets outside but as I say I can't say too much because I'm still in negotiation with some people that want me to do some things for them but there will be you know the cake lady flavor in there for sure for Love sure. that. You can also, um, well, tell the people where they can find you. Okay. We said on Dover Beach and then also your online presence. Okay. So you can find me um, the top end of St. Lawrence Gap. So it's the residential end. So if you come past Dover Beach, I am a three-minute walk from Dover Beach. Uh, there's a slot machine and it's the ATM. So the only ATM machine um, on St. on the top end of St. Lawrence Gap, I'm right next door. I'm bright pink. Yeah, pink. Like, where did that come from? But we've talked about that. Um, And I'm in a lovely area. I've got a lovely area outside that's got some beautiful pink tables. I've got a bright pink sign. And I'm um, underneath Monterey Apartments. So it's Unit 6, Monterey Apartments, close to White Sands Hotel, close to White Sands Beach. In fact, I'm two minutes from White Sands Beach and four minutes away from Dover Beach. I've got a wonderful location. I'm very lucky. And what really about lucky. on Instagram? Instagram, you can find me at the Cake Lady Coffee Shop. So that's the Cake Lady Coffee Shop, one word. Or you can find me at T H E E E Cake Lady. So the Cake Lady. <laughs> like, okay. Hmm. <laughs> well, thank you so much, no, Susan. Thank you. It's been an honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. It really has because you've helped me to remember me. Because I just get so caught up in my day, like, you know, eggs, flour, butter, sugar, must order coffee, mm-hmm. got to get the ham right. You know, I just get so caught up in my day. It's actually nice just to sit down and 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 remember. So thank you very yeah, much. Thank you. Pleasure. And no, I'm really honoured that you chose me. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm shy. I'm blushing here. I'm really blushing. All right, guys. Until next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, and season two is a wrap. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it. There's also an archive of season one and season two, the rest of season two that you can listen to. And stay tuned for season three, which again, will be covering folks from Mexico. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Take care. It's Bullish with Toro. Bye.